Everyone wants intimacy deep down. Everyone wants that deep connection that you can have with yourself, with your friends, with your partners. But a lot of the time, we're not aware of how to hone in that intimacy, how to cultivate that intimacy. And a lot of the time, we're showing up to conversations with our armor still intact, with our defenses still intact. And honing in and cultivating an intimacy is about leaving that mask is about dropping those defenses and becoming present to who your vulnerable authentic self is welcome to the four state podcast a podcast on self-discovery healing and the mind-body connection my name is bailey your host i am an intuitive healer and holistic health coach and today we're talking all about intimacy Intimacy is not about sex, and to confine it as such is a great disservice. Intimacy is about deeply connecting with yourself and others, and that can be on an emotional level, on an intellectual level, on an experiential level, on a spiritual level, or on a physical level. And when you embrace that intimacy, you're deeper connected to who your authentic self is and who the person you're connected with, who their authentic self is. So why do we care? Whenever I have been in experiences of relationships where there was a lack of intimacy, it felt like the most alone I have ever felt. And that's what generally people feel is when they're in these relationships that you're not able to connect and you're not able to trust and respect each other There's this deep loneliness and it's not because you're not only connected with yourself, but it's because you're in these moments where you know there is so much potential for vulnerability and openness and intimacy, but you're both not able to bring yourself there. This episode is all about exploring the common misconceptions around intimacy, the archetypes that typically struggle with intimacy and some pathways for you guys to explore on your own to become more intimate people. It doesn't mean that it's effortless. It doesn't mean constantly being together. It doesn't mean always being comfortable and it doesn't make you less independent. It's about sharing and just sharing what your fears are, your emotions, your hopes, your dreams are. Like, can you show up into a conversation completely present without your armor intact, without your defenses intact, without your masks that you wear intact? And when I'm referring to masks, I'm talking about we all have preconditioned notions of how we should be to the world. And sometimes we wear those notions as a mask that we present to the world. That can look like being a performer, not allowing your true authentic self to show through. Instead, you are performing for the world. Or it can look like being the cool girl. Or it can look like being the people pleaser. So what masks 
are you wearing to not only others, but what are you hiding from yourself? The more that we become intimate and connected with yourself, the more deeper we're going to be able to tap into the wealth of magic that comes from connecting with intimacy. So how do we connect with that healthy intimacy? How do we connect with that crucial component of our life that needs connection? First, we develop an intimacy with ourself. And this is about knowing ourselves on a deep level. The deeper that you know yourself, the deeper you'll be able to meet others. And so if you are feeling disappointed with people not being able to meet you with intimacy, look at the intimacy you have with yourself and just see if that could potentially be an area that you can take action and work on instead of placing the perspective on outside sources. So are you understanding your own emotions? Are you understanding your needs and your desires and your strengths and weaknesses? Are you able to recognize the patterns, the beliefs, and the behaviors that power up your triggers? Like when you are having moments where you are reactive and upset, are you able to understand those fully? That self-awareness is only part of having healthy intimacy with yourself. It's also about taking that self-awareness and converting it to prioritizing your own needs, prioritizing your own self-care, prioritizing your own self-compassion and your own self-respect, and ultimately seeking to grow and evolve as a person. We want to prioritize anything that fuels up joy in our life, whether that be regular exercise, healthy diet, mindfulness practice, or it could just be a regular practice of doing mirror work. And we'll get into some of the solutions to bringing more intimacy in your life at the very end of this. But for now, I just want you guys to expand your overall awareness and see where this is showing up in your life. Are you treating yourself with compassion and understanding, especially when you're making mistakes? Are you beating yourself up or are you saying, hey, everyone has moments where they default to their old conditioning. And it's on our back whether we continue to believe that old conditioning or whether we take that moment in time and fuel it with self-compassion and redirect into the commitment that we've chosen, a path of deeper consciousness, of deeper intimacy. Further, are we able to self-respect? Are we respecting our boundaries? Are we respecting our needs, our values? Or are we letting others tell us what to do? Are we letting others treat us poorly? Boundaries are so important for us to thrive. And if we are being really loose with that, we're allowing a lot of other influences into our life. It's Boundaries is about having clarity on how much energy you want to devote to each part of your life. If you can easily say no to the things that you don't want in your life, there will be infinitely more energy and intimacy in your life. 
And ultimately, healthy intimacy with yourself is about evolving as a person. And this can be in so many different ways, just continuously finding new ways to grow and learn and evolve. Healthy intimacy with ourself is the root of healthy intimacy with others. And so once we dial in that intimacy with ourself, we're able to dial in that healthy intimacy with others with more ease because we're able to understand it, because we know what it is. We're able to understand what it feels like to treat ourselves with respect, what it feels like to be open to our own emotions and to be trusting in ourselves. So healthy intimacy with others, it looks like mutual respect. It looks like open communication. It looks about having the confidence in each other's reliability, having the confidence in others' integrity so that it builds that trust over time. And that trust is so crucial for deep connection. It also means being there for each other. It means understanding and being empathetic for the other person's feelings, like putting yourself in the other person's shoes and really feeling how they are in that moment. Healthy intimacy, both with yourself and with others, it's an ongoing effort. A lot of the time, it's not natural to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I love you to yourself. And sometimes it's not natural for us to go into conversations and be vulnerable with others. But let me tell you guys, this ongoing effort is so worth it. When we're talking about fulfilling a core need, that we easily have access to. This is one of the core needs that we can truly get from ourselves very well. And when we're feeding ourselves that connection, when we're feeding the connection of ourselves and others, it creates so much happiness. It creates a level of peace, a foundation of peace that is unrockable, that is so stable. So without further ado, let's talk about what happens when we are struggling with intimacy and the different archetypes that struggle with intimacy. Because we all find ourselves in these patterns with intimacy. Can we pinpoint the different ones that we may be able to relate to and bring more awareness to that and bring different understandings of how to take these archetypes and become intimate person. There are different types of archetypes of shared characteristics or patterns of people that typically struggle with intimacy. And I'm going to point out the majority of the patterns and then we're going to go deeper into a couple that I see my clients struggle with a lot more. So The first one being avoidant behavior and avoidant behavior, meaning just shying away from intimacy in general. And maybe that's because you're valuing your independence, you're valuing your autonomy and the idea of connecting with others and vulnerability is something that is maybe scary. So you avoid it at all costs. Another is anxious or insecure behaviors. And this can be about constantly seeking reassurance or validation. And usually it comes from the fear of abandonment, the fear of needing that validation so much because on the opposite edge of that, there's this abandonment piece. 
in the same category as anxious is this people pleaser needing to maintain harmony because maybe that's what you experienced in your home growing up, wanting everyone to be happy, prioritizing other people's needs over your own. And so these people usually struggle with being open themselves, being able to express their own needs and their desires out of fear that someone else needs the space more. Another type is this idealization, this perfectionism type. We see this a lot in people who are maybe watching too many Hollywood films. These, this idea of the perfect romance, idealizing that, idealizing the first moments of love. A lot of people in this realm have a perfectionist view of how their partner should show up. And it may be prone to a lot of criticism, a lot of need to try to fix their partners in order to fit in with society or to fit into your own level of what you think a good partner is. Another archetype is the codependent or the over-involvement in your relationship. It can be a caregiver, someone who wants to give support, someone who wants to nurture and take the caretaking role in the relationship, but maybe someone who neglects their own needs. Codependency is not necessary for intimacy. In fact, the opposite is necessary for intimacy. We want to have our own independence and know who ourself is. Lastly is this attraction to unavailability, which is I see in a lot of my clients this idea to want to be attracted to someone who probably most of the time straight up tells you that they're unavailable. It tells you that they're unavailable because they're too busy with work or because they're dating other people. And still a lot of people are attracted to this type because there's a lot of intensity and it's giving us the excuse to place that lack of intimacy, that lack of vulnerability on the nature of the unavailable partner. It's important to note that these are really complex and a lot of people have multiple traits from multiple categories and they can shift and change over time. Like I know for me, I have certainly been avoidant in the past and then I shifted into more anxious as I got into experiencing deeper intimacy. And now I've fallen out of those behaviors. But the point is that you can shift and change depending on what your relationship is like and where you are in your life. So these just can be a helpful starting point to start to understand where are you avoiding this intimacy. And now I want to go into just toxic relationships in general, unhealthy relationships in general, because there is nothing worse than being in these relationships where we're getting hurt over and over again and we're repeating that cycle. So a toxic relationship by nature is the opposite of an intimate relationship. It's the opposite of a connected relationship. So let's go into the depths first. I wanted to talk about the unhealthy relationship patterns, the toxic relationship patterns that I like to call the repeat cycled archetype. And what happens 
when we get stuck in these unhealthy gratifications. Because there is ultimately a payoff from being in these toxic relationships and recognizing that payoff can free us from being in that. So toxic relationships, why do we get involved in them? Why are we so drawn to toxic patterns and why do we continue to stay when we are experiencing bad behavior? There are certain things that keep us in this relationship, one being familiarity and comfort. A lot of us who grew up in dysfunctional environments love the dynamic of a toxic relationship in order to feel normal, in order to experience that same love that maybe you experienced growing up. Another reason is we love the intensity of the emotion. And a lot of us can mistake that intensity of the emotion with intimacy. That is not intimacy. This emotionally intense extreme highs and lows that maybe can feel exciting or even addictive, even when it's causing pain, that is a cycle of, that is a trait of the repeat cycle. That is a trait of the unhealthy relationship. With such extreme lows and highs, it's almost like we're not truly meeting on a level of respect. So in order to have that intimacy, there does need to be some sort of balance. And sure, you can have brief moments of lows and highs, but we're talking about a toxic pattern of lows and highs. And that is not what intimacy is. Another pattern that we see in toxic relationship is the constant need for validation or reassurance or wanting to fix your partner. This can lead to us feeling hurt because take the example of someone dating an alcoholic. You go into that relationship and you want to fix them. You think that maybe if they love you enough that they will be fixed by your love. But that ultimately them no longer changing leads to that hurt and leads to that disappointment. And experiencing that can give us some sort of gratification because of the environment that we grew up. Some of us are addicted to hurt and addicted to suffering because a lot of the time that's what society shows is put on a pedestal, the suffering till the end. And a lot of the time that's where this desire to be in toxic relationships stems from. Another thing we see in toxic relationships is this avoidance of vulnerability. A lot of the time we come into relationships just putting up this armor, putting up this wall, and we... A lot of us get into toxic relationships because we know that we won't go to the depths of vulnerability and we won't go to the depths of intimacy. And so that drama, that conflict is like a deep distraction for people who fear being vulnerable and open and connected with another person. This toxic cycle also includes the hope and fantasy for change. Like when you are going through a fight and you make up at the end of that and there's this hope for a happier future. There's this false promises of change and 
that just feeds into it. We're like, okay, we think it's going to get better, but we're going to continue to live on these unrealistic expectations, these false promises. And lastly, the last gratification that we get out of being in a toxic relationship is it gives gets rid of the fear of being alone. And sometimes that fear of being alone is way more of a pain than the toxic relationship. Because even if that companionship is unhealthy, it provides that sense of security. So if you find yourself being in a relationship out of one of these patterns, out of familiarity and comfort, out of intensity of emotion, out of validation and self-worth, out of avoiding vulnerability, out of hope and fantasy, or out of fear of being alone, first of all, recognize yourself and give yourself some compassion. Because all of these are born out of our need for survival, to keep us safe. And working on building healthier self-esteem and relationship expectations will be so worth it. And it's a process. It takes time. It takes self-compassion. But it's ultimately an important step towards healthy and more fulfilling life. I want to go deeper on the fear of being alone now because it's something that I see a lot. A lot of us are enduring relationships or holding on to relationships that aren't aligned because we're scared of being alone. And we cling to these relationships. We attach to these relationships because the mere presence of someone is more valuable to you than seeking vulnerable and genuine connection. And the problem is that when we're in these unaligned moments, these unaligned relationships, it it feeds into a lot of different aspects of our life. It feeds into the patterns that we face on a daily basis. It feeds into our bitterness and our anger and our sadness because we're not able to meet someone on a connected level. So we want to find and develop that healthy intimacy. And in order to do that, we have to address and overcome this fear of being alone, which is a massively misunderstood concept and feeling that all humans share. This is a shared human experience, this fear of being alone. We are born in a tribe. We're born in a family. We're born in a school, in religious communities, and we're taught as children to rely on the tribe because that's how you raise children. There's a lot of interaction with multiple people in your life. And so there becomes this comfortability with interacting with a lot of different people. And as we grow older, as we come out of school and maybe start living on our own, or just when there is more time, more free time in our life, we start to want to fill up that extra time with distraction, with just in general movement. And what that can look like is seeking just unaligned relationships, just someone to distract you. It can also look like talking just to talk, just filling up space because if you don't speak for a moment, there will be the fear of being alone. There will be a moment to sit with silence. But 
regardless of us growing up in this tribe, regardless of us having this family around us, there also has been the time and experience of intimacy with yourself embedded in those experiences with your tribe. And what that looks like, for example, is we all have family and friends and people around us, but there is always a time when you are in your bedroom where you are alone with your thoughts, where you close your eyes and you are alone. Those moments are completely beautiful. They are profound. They are the deepest connection that you can have because you are the only person who can know yourself completely. You are the only person who can truly walk yourself home. I don't know if you guys know this saying or this quote by a spiritual leader, Ram Dass. He has this quote that says that we're all just walking each other home and your friends are walking you home when they're giving you advice or they're just being a shoulder to cry on. They're walking you home. But at the end of the walk, you are walking up into the home and you are taking care of yourself in that home. And that's the beauty of the end of the journey, of the end of the embodiment that Ramdas is talking about, that we're gaining a synonym, a parallel on. The end of the journey is being alone and relishing that and taking that moment to understand yourself further and to engage in things that will illuminate your being and to engage in things that will help your growth and uh, to build your self-esteem. Can you take that moment of being alone and enjoy your solitude? Can you take that moment and start to develop new interests or hobbies or just finding joy and fulfillment just looking up at the ceiling, listening to some music. Can you find yourself in complete abundance while you are alone? That right there will develop so much intimacy for yourself if you can enjoy that solitude. And it's a critical step in breaking the cycle in the pattern of wanting to be in toxic relationships or unaligned relationships. When you're comfortable being alone, you're better equipped to handle those relationships. You're better equipped to make healthier choices and set yourself up to set boundaries and to enforce boundaries. When we're talking about how to come out of these fears and how to start building intimacy with yourself, Ultimately, it starts with building that relationship with yourself. And I think I've said that like a million times in this podcast, so forgive me for that. But it's really important. And something that I love to bring up to my clients all the time is how many times do you look at yourself in the mirror and say, oh, my skin looks like shit? Or, oh man, my my shirt's wrinkled. Or I should have better clothes. Or I'm not having a good hair day or something like that. Those conversations are so easy to have with ourselves. Like, 
the critical points that we have with ourselves is so easy. But how many times are you saying, hey, your skin's improving? Hey, I'm really proud of you. Hey, or just, hey, hi, looking at yourself in the eye and looking at yourself deeply in the eye, not just like a passing glance, but connecting with your irises, connecting with the colors of your eyes, getting to know yourself, asking yourself like, hey, what is, what are you saying in there? What's going on? That is so profound in developing intimacy with yourself. And alongside of criticizing yourself, can you start to accept yourself? Because a lot of the time, we can't go straight to self-love in our physical appearance. We can't go straight to deep intimacy with ourselves. So we have to be gentle with ourselves and getting ourselves there. And so what that looks like is, for example, say you have some extra weight around your belly and you've been telling yourself that you hate this part of you. You hate this part of you. This doesn't feel like you. You hate it because you know that you're deep down that your body is meant to be free of extra weight. It's meant to be, a, it thrives best when it is feeling very healthy. And that means maybe not holding extra weight around your belly. So instead of going straight to, oh my gosh, I love this fat can you start to say, I'm willing to accept this? I am willing to accept this. And as you get more convinced of that, can you say, I am willing to accept and love this part of me? And as you're getting more comfortable with that, can you say, I completely love and accept myself? Transitioning and just accepting that part of yourself is a beautiful movement in the right direction. And the more that we make that movement towards growth, the more we will become embodied in our vision for ourselves. So slowly edge yourself around along. Another huge part that I want you guys to think about and embody when we're talking about developing the self-intimacy is learning how you want to be treated and treating yourself that way. So a really great example of this is that say you want your man to be bringing you flowers. Maybe it's every month. Maybe it's every week. Your man will not know that you want flowers unless you are buying yourself flowers at first. Unless you are treating yourself how you want to be treated. So think about what it is that you are craving from a relationship, that adoration, that joy, that fun, that connection. Where can you meet yourself there? Can you give yourself flowers? <laughs> I can buy myself flowers. <laughs> yes, you can. And you can also write your name in the sand. But <laughs> there's a lot of different things that you can do for yourself on the real. You can start just building your self-esteem by getting clear on what you want, getting clear on what you want by sorting through your emotions and transmuting your emotions by journaling, by meditating, just getting to know yourself and what you need to feel fulfilled. So we've talked about talking 
with ourselves in the mirror and we talked about giving ourselves what we need. This also is a parallel to fostering healthy intimacy in our relationships. A beautiful way to develop intimacy with partners is when we're engaged in conversation to engage in eye contact and to really hear what your partner is saying, to really listen to what's going on and to be willing to open your own heart to them. When we look at each other in the eyes, it opens it opens up our souls. Like the eyes are truly a window to the soul. If you are brave and courageous, I highly encourage looking at each other's in the eyes for an extended period of time and just saying nothing, just being present to where you are. Guarantee this will be very uncomfortable for some, but it will foster great intimacy. And at the same time of giving ourselves what we need, buying ourselves flowers when we need them, fostering intimacy with others is about putting our empathetic feeling on, putting ourselves in their shoes and understanding how they feel and being able to respect and admire what they need in a relationship. Lastly, I want to talk about communication. And I have a whole other podcast on communication, and I'll link it in the show notes. But in order to develop healthy intimacy with others, we have to meet ourselves on communication. We have to be able to tell each other what we want. We have to tell each other our desires, our needs, what we value. We also have to be willing to set and enforce boundaries. And boundaries are the boundaries will create a lot of depth, a lot of goodness, a lot of juiciness in your relationship. Don't be afraid of boundaries. Because those little things that you say no to allow you to say yes to so much more. Communicate what you need and you'll encourage others to do so themselves. Allow the space for you to communicate your needs and also allow space to hear your partner out. Don't feel the need to be right. We don't need to be right all the time. And in order to have good communication with others, we have to be willing to be wrong. We have to hear what they say and almost make an argument for their point, like putting ourselves in their shoes and saying, can I understand what they're saying to me? Having that active listening is so important in developing intimacy. To break it down, the most important things to develop intimacy is one, to have a greater awareness. All those archetypes that we went through, all of those fear structures that we went through, develop an awareness of where you lie in those archetypes. What are you more prone to experiencing and where does this come from? What is the root of those patterns? Number two, Start to take action towards developing intimacy with yourself. Develop intimacy through conversations with yourself in the mirror. Be willing to accept and love yourself and say that to yourself in the mirror. 
be willing to stand up for yourself and give yourself the needs and desires that you need. Let the relationship with yourself be an example for your relationships. Take off your masks. Take off the need to perform and show up in presence. Listen to what the person is saying. Be willing to be wrong. Be willing to put an empathetic foot in the table and understand the need for growth and understand that this is a process and it's not always easy. Intimacy is one of the most important things that we can hone in on our life because the more intimate we are with ourselves and our body and our relationships, the more we are able to connect with our overall well-being, our overall purpose, our overall devotion to being on earth. That's all I have for you guys today on intimacy, but oh my gosh, if you have any questions, comments, anything like that, I would absolutely adore to hear from you. You can send me a DM at Bailey Gilliou, B-A-I-L-E-Y-G-U-I-L-L-O-U-D. There will be a link on the podcast notes. Guys, if you need any support in any of the things that we spoke about, I would also love to hear from you about that. I offer one-on-one coaching. I have a couple of different programs, but I'm also just willing to have a couple of DM conversations and point you in the right direction if you are struggling with this. So don't be a stranger. And lastly, it would be such a help to me and my team if you could just write us a review wherever you're listening to podcasts, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or YouTube. Go ahead and write us a review and just tell us what you think. I am so excited to connect with you next week, but until then, have a beautiful week.